You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. And we are live. Welcome in, everybody, into another episode of the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. My name is Lance Sanderson, and joining me, as always, is my good friend and colleague. He is your Denver Broncos insider and Mile High Huddle senior NFL draft analyst. He is the one and only Eric Trickle. Mile High, hello, Eric. What's up, my dude? How you doing, man? It's been been a pretty interesting week. We've obviously seen the Broncos have a rash of injuries come out here over the last few days, and just with everything going on, even at Let, a frustrating loss. interrupt for, you for a second and just say yeah. Interesting would not be the word choice I'd use for this last week. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's been pretty rough. It's been pretty rough. Trying. Yeah. Emotionally yeah. draining. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been it's been pretty awful. Let's just be honest there. I mean, it, close loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers last Sunday. Uh, and oh, obviously the Broncos. <laughs> yeah. You said Colts. Yeah. Oh, the, the, yeah. <laughs> Close loss against the uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers last week for the Broncos, and uh, amazing. Yeah, it was. Uh, man, I'm not on my game right now. Let's just say that. <laughs> but uh, no, man. It, with with all the Broncos injuries, obviously Drew Locke being down for the next couple of weeks. Uh, Cortland Sutton, we we learned that he's going to be down for the rest of the year. What what's going through your mind right now? What what do you think about this Broncos team just for the immediate future, anyways? Can I come go and become an ostrich, bury my head in the sand for the rest of the season? Um. <laughs> no, seriously, is uh, I know a lot of people want to bury them and just write them off already. And these injuries, they obviously they do suck and they're terrible to have. But I mean, the Pittsburgh Steelers to me are the third best team in the AFC, and the Tennessee Titans are the fifth best team in the AFC. The Buffalo Bills being right there is number four, and Denver lost them by a combined seven points. Yeah, And, I mean, that is with a quarter of their top corner, two quarters of almost – yeah, two quarters of their top receiver. Um, uh, what, five – not even five quarters of their top quarterback, zero quarters from their top edge rusher. And, I mean, their coverage linebacker, he's out there, but he seems to forget him. And the guy they got to replace him, Mark Barron, he's done. He hasn't yeah. played. Yeah, so, it, it, sounds like, like, it, it sounds like Barron might not play at all this year. Yeah. And so it's like I understand why people want to give up because obviously you have to figure out how to how to rebound and overcome those injuries. But doing what they did against two of the top teams, and quite frankly, I don't see the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as a top six team in the NFC. The Jets, I think that they're one of the worst teams in the AFC. So I think these next two wins, I really, I really do think they can be uh, come wins. But they definitely have the work cut out for them just because of all the weapons that the Bucks have. But Man, these injuries is there's things they can do to to cover for them, but I mean, there's no way you completely make up for the loss of Von Miller or Colton Sutton. So we'll see what happens. I believe that they can turn around. I don't think the playoffs will happen, but I can see them going like six, getting six or seven wins. Well, and honestly, if you think about it with this Bronco, the, the first quarter of this Broncos schedule is it's just been brutal. Like you said, you have the, yeah. the, the Tennessee Titans at number five in the AFC, at least in your opinion. Um, the Pittsburgh Steelers at number three, which I agree with that. They are right behind the uh, the Kansas City Chiefs because you know what? Baltimore is playing some amazing football right now. Their defense is a lot better than what Kansas City has. So they're equal. They're easily the, the top team in the AFC West, in my opinion. But so you got the Broncos losing to both of those teams, the Steelers and the Titans, by a combined seven points, and they're missing a bunch of key players, and they're close. Like these are these are close games where the Broncos have opportunities to win at like in the last two minutes. I mean, one just just real quick, it's both of these games. They are one or two plays, and it's a different outcome. No, yeah, absolutely, and you you can argue, you know, the the critical situations, which I like to, I I do like to, you know, point and blame at the critical situations. You know, the Tennessee Titans game, you have first and goal from the four, and Melvin Gordon only carries the ball one time. You have first and goal from the four again against the Pittsburgh Steelers, and he doesn't touch the football at all. And you have a backup quarterback in the game, like you're trusting a backup quarterback to to make that play. 
it's a it's a very questionable decision there. And then again, at the end of the game, the Broncos have the third and two at the what twenty two yard line coming out of the two minute warning. Third and two, and you go pass pass, and you you run a five man protection scheme on fourth down against a team that's blitzing you almost fifty percent of the time. It maybe even over fifty percent of the time. They're blitzing you so heavily, and hey. you run a five man a five man pre, uh, protection scheme on that. That's it's just putting your players in a in a better situation to win is is a key there but the Broncos even throughout all of that and and being in these close and critical situations they're still hanging with these very very good teams this defense is playing absolutely spectacular football right now and without Drew Locke I mean Jeff Driscoll he looked pretty decent at least in my opinion he looked at least serviceable as a backup quarterback and he his play alone especially in the second half really kept the Broncos in that game. Like, honestly, he made the critical throws when he needed to. He got the offense moving towards the end of the game, got him in position to win. Noah Fant made a hell of a catch on the on the left sideline there, uh, a bobbling catch, toe-tap catch to, to fall out of bounds. Like, th- this team is close enough that they're, they're competing with the top teams in the AFC right now. And a couple of bounces the right way, a, a critical coaching decision, and they can get over the hump. We're 0-2 right now, but – 0-2 doesn't seem nearly as bad by watching this Broncos team as compared to when they had Vance Joseph as, as, at the head coaching position. Like, with, with Vic Fangio, at least the Broncos are close. Yeah, I mean, and you mentioned the Steelers and how often they they um, they blitz, and I'm trying to remember what the number was. I'm trying to find it because we are actually talking about this in our private chat what, yeah. yesterday. Yep, I think it was about how often it was for Denver, and I remember seeing Denver and or seeing Pittsburgh's, and they're number one, and it was like sixty-one yep. percent of the time according to ESPN's yeah. thing, and they have a pass block or a pass rush win rate of fifty percent, fifty percent, and that ridiculous. well, here's the surprising fact: that's sixth best. Whoa, my goodness, <laughs> so that's insane. That fifty fifty percent of it is they're winning. And Charlie Beagle, fifty-two percent. That's what they said on NFL Network. But I'm thinking of ESPN's, and it was it was it was in the sixties. I remember that it was number one. I want to say it was sixty-one percent. So, it, but yeah, just, I mean, it's it's just ridiculous about it. And I mean, Denver. Everybody wants to crap on their line, but the Steelers. They, a lot of the pressure they got is they brought more pass rushers than there were than there were blockers. Three of their sacks were guys who came unblocked because there was nobody to block them. Yep. It, it 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 doesn't work. I mean, there's a lot of issues with this team, and they still manage to hang in there. And here's another factor too that I can't believe has gone completely unmentioned. How terrible has Denver been going to the East Coast for early games oh, yeah. over oh, the yeah. last few years? And here they are going to Pittsburgh. I mean, I get it. They're not in. I mean, the, with everything going on, they're they're not full uh, have full stands or anything like that. But that's still a long road to travel and everything. And Denver has historically done terribly on those, especially the last few years. So it's 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 mind-boggling to me that people want to give up on this Broncos team. I, I I understand it to a degree, but man, they show this they show the fight that you want to see and the resilience that you want to see in a team that's trying to take that next step. And I think that a part of the problem too is that so many people they want the Broncos to go from the issues they were having from that that 2017, 2018, those years and go immediately to the playoffs this year when it's a work of in progress. It takes time. It takes steps. Not everybody can have those one-year turnarounds like what the Rams did a few years ago and yeah. the 49ers did. Um, honestly, I saw this mentioned somewhere else, and I thought about it, and I realized how true it was. Um, thanks, James. 64% of the e- for of the time per ESPN. Um, I knew it was in the 60s. But um, – I forgot my train of thought. Um, let me see if I can pick it back up. But the thing, the thing is, is th- they have that fight, and you got to take those steps forward. And uh, this comment that I saw, there we go. This is what it was. Was saying that this year with the Broncos feels a lot like that year with this with the uh, San Francisco 49ers before they had that br- big breakout year last year. Like, yeah. So this feels like the 2018 San Francisco season because they dealt with a lot of injuries too. I mean, they kept yeah. – what, that was that was Nick Mullins' year. Yeah, that was really the year that – Nick Mullins. So, uh, wasn't that the year that they had Jimmy Garoppolo tear his ACL like right at the beginning of the season? And yeah, they had and to run Nick Mullins, CJ Beathard. Yeah. Yeah, like that's what it feels like. It, well, it really kind of does. Into this and we kind of got to get some uh, orders of business out of the way. 
Yeah, we do actually got to get some orders of business, guys. You guys are watching the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. You guys can follow me and Eric on Twitter uh, at Sanderson MHH for me and for Eric at Eric Trickle. Also, guys, follow the pod at DVDD underscore pod. Uh, also at Mile High Huddle for instant news and analysis, breaking news and film articles, stuff like that on your Denver Broncos. It's also the easiest way to keep in touch with what's going on with the Huddle Up podcast network. Uh, if you guys are in a, a chance or in a position financially right now to head on over to huddleuppod.com, get your merch, guys. Get yourself a hat, a T-shirt. There's a coffee cup, face mask, hoodies, something for men, women. There's actually a onesie. I'm, I got one on the way for my baby. Uh, so there's something to suit anybody's fancy. And if you guys aren't in a position at least to be able to do so, the three things that everyone can do is subscribe wherever you're watching this on YouTube specifically because uh, the Mile High Huddle and the Huddle Up podcast uh network is growing exponentially and it really helps us out a lot if you subscribe like every video you guys see and share it out to the general public share it out to all of broncos country because the more eyes we get on this the better we're going to be able to be for you guys this is the overtime podcast network broncos country listen up Coors seltzer isn't your average seltzer rooted in Coors long history of sustainability is a brand that was inspired by a generation that wants to do good in the world with a mission to restore America's rivers. Coors Seltzer is launching the world's easiest volunteer program. So whatever you're doing by simply cracking open a can of Coors Seltzer, you're volunteering. Listen, gang, our waterways are at risk. 80% of America's rivers are drying up through a partnership with change the course. Coors Seltzer is helping to protect and restore America's rivers. Here's how it works. Each pack of Coors Seltzer restores 500 gallons of fresh water to U.S. rivers and the communities that depend on them. And the results? It'll blow your mind. One billion gallons of water restored to 16 river basins across the U.S., and that's just year one. And gang, there are four refreshing flavors, one cool cause. So enjoy naturally flavored black cherry, mango, lemon lime, and grapefruit. And the specs are in. Coors Seltzer is 4.5% ABV, and it's only 90 calories. And Zach, let me tell you, I've got my eye on that black cherry. Yeah, there's nothing better, Chad. The, the weather's turning. It's getting cooler. It's football season. Nothing better than kicking back with a course. I like the mango personally, but they're all pretty good. Nothing better, Chad. Join the world's easiest volunteer program by simply drinking Coors Seltzer. You can become a volunteer and restore America's rivers. You buy Coors Seltzer. You help restore 500 gallons of water into America's rivers. It's that simple. So visit CoorsSeltzer.com to find a Coors Seltzer near you. That's CoorsSeltzer.com. For every 12-pack sold through 831-2021, Coors will purchase services from Change the Course to restore 500 gallons of fresh river water. Details at CoorsSeltzer.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Fort Worth, Texas. Winning season returns at my bookie. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means insane props epic bonuses, and the craziest cross-sport wagers. At MyBookie, winning season means watching live sports and betting live sports all season long. Rejoice, because the NFL has returned. That means action-packed Sundays and huge cash prizes. Get in on the action, use promo code OVERTIME, and double your first deposit. New players get up to 1000 bucks in free play, which is designed to add more excitement to the sports you already love and the games that you bet. Bet with the best this NFL season for your chance to win big. Use promo code OVERTIME and double your first deposit. Your winning season begins today only at MyBookie, and here's the best part. Overtime is going all in for our listeners. We're giving away 500 bucks cash to one lucky person who takes advantage of this offer. When you make your deposit, just take a screen grab of your MyBookie account and email it to overtime at advertisecast.com. That's overtime at advertisecast.com. 500 bucks given away at the end of September. One other thing that I want to kind of just expand upon is, again, going back to the beginning quarter of the season, you have the Titans, you have the Steelers, and now this week you have the new look Tampa Bay Buccaneers <laughs> Coming into Denver. The Tampa Bay old people's home. Yeah, the Tampa Bay. That's true. But still, I mean, this is this is another tough matchup. And Eric, you and I had conversations about that Buccaneers defense, and they have some players at all three levels right now. They're they're not super spectacular on the boundary at the cornerback position, but they've got two really good edge rushers. They've got a great nose tackle in Vita Vea, an older guy in, in Dominican Sue that can still wreak some havoc in the running game specifically. Oh, wait, no, he, never mind. But they, I they I also, he was out, but he was just out for today with the um, non-injury related. 
Well, I was just speaking in general here, but then you step back to the next level of the defense and they have two really good linebackers and Devin White, who they took in the first round of last year's NFL draft and Levante David, who has been one of the best three down linebackers the league has seen over the last decade. I mean, this is year nine for him and he has been absolutely spectacular, not only against the run, but in coverage as well. And then, uh, like I said, they're not so great on the boundary, but they do have a rookie safety and Antoine Winfield Jr. that has been playing absolute lights out football for that defense right now. And honestly, the Broncos are going to have to, they're going to have to their work cut out for them, especially on that, on the, in the trenches. Last week, we saw, what, seven sacks, 17 quarterback pressures, uh, uh, at least 10 quarterback hits. And not to say that this Tampa Bay Buccaneers defensive line is going to be able to, to stand up like stand up to what the Steelers were able to do last week, but Shaquille Barrett did lead the, the, lead the league in sacks last year. Jason Pierre-Paul is also a very good pass rusher. And like I said, Vita Vea can clock some stuff up in the front, and he can also get after the passer if his motor will actually allow him to do so. What do you think the Broncos are going to do? Is it finally time to replace Elijah Wilkinson, or are they going to go to, to some max protect looks, keep a running back in the backfield? Are they going to bring an extra tight end on the field, run some 12 personnel to try to get Elijah Wilkinson some help? Because the biggest thing that he struggles with is speed off the edge, and Shaquille Barrett has speed off the edge. What do you want to do? Like, How are we going to stop this? Well, I wouldn't say he has speed off the edge. That's never really been as part of his game. Um, he, he, what he does well is he converts what speed he has to power. Yeah. And that is something Elijah Wilkinson struggles with as well. Um, I don't think that we see him benched. I, I said, I've said this multiple times. I think I said it last week on the show too. Um, I don't think that they'll bench Elijah Wilkinson until after the Jets game. I think that they want to give them four games to gel because people often really forget that how important chemistry is on the offensive line. You really have to have chemistry down with the guy next to you because a lot of what you do relies on feel. Passing off blocks, that's a big thing with having having the right feel with the guy next to you. Right. And with the Broncos watching them and really breaking down their, their offensive line, that's their biggest issue especially in the run game, is they're doing a terrible job passing off blocks. And when they do a good job at it, it's a good run. Um, we saw that a couple times against Pittsburgh, especially early on, before the Pittsburgh Steelers completely lost a lost all respect for the Broncos deep ball after Drew Locke got hurt. Um, so it, it's there, there's a lot that you can consider. And the thing is, is like they – those two linebackers that they have and Antoine Winfield, they're good. Their corners are okay. They're not, they're nothing really to, they're, they're solid corners. They're guys that you're fine with having as starters. Um, their other safety, he's, he's like that as well. I mean, yeah. I spent a lot of time watching them preparing for this game and everything. And, um, and it's just, it, they're not bad. I mean, real quick on the defensive line too, Jason Pierre, Paul and Vitavea, uh, both those guys, they can be good, but they're so inconsistent anymore. Yeah. Super inconsistent, especially Vea. Like, my God, is he so inconsistent? But um, the the what you have to balance is out, and we kind of talked about this on the reverse end or the opposite end of this, is when you're trying to protect the quarterback, you have to be able to have your receivers get open. So if like if Jerry Judy, Noah Fant, KJ Hamler, if they're able to get open, you can kind of free up to bring in another. Um, bring in another blocker. But if they're struggling to get open, then you kind of go go to that more quick passing game. So it, it really depends on how they do in that aspect on if they're able to bring in another guy to help pass protect or not. Yeah. Yeah, and there's this is actually the question I was going to pull up. Thanks, John. Um, the over-under of one-and-a-half sacks for Shaq, is that probably – a is that probably pretty real? And honestly, I, I firmly believe it is. Um, Elijah Wilkinson has done nothing to prove to me that he can actually protect against Shaquille Barrett. He, honestly, they went against they they went against each other in practice for you know a couple of years, but at the same time, Shaquille, what he does is like you said, converting speed to power. He does have a, a pretty decent first step, um, can bend a little bit and get around the edge. I don't know that Elijah Wilkinson is going to be able to hold up. Like they're going to have to do something for him. One and a half sacks. I I probably take the over on that. I I predict I'm predicting two sa- two sacks for Shaquille Barrett this week. Uh, my my question is, and thanks W W E for yeah, the donation. Thank you W E. We appreciate that. Um, my question is 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 Shaq Barrett a one year wonder? Because he hasn't been nearly as good this year. He hasn't been nearly as consistent getting pressure on the quarterback. Um. 
he, he's still he's doing a solid job, but it's a job of a depth player, not a starter, yeah. not that franchise tag player that he got. Um, so it, that's something that I really kind of uh, um, <clears throat> kind of want to see. Um, I, I I'll take the over on that, but um, I, I'm not comfortably taking the over. Yeah. Speaking of overs and unders, guys, today's episode is brought to you in part by sportsbetting.com. Head on over to sportsbetting.com slash mile high huddle for a 100% risk-free week of betting for up to $500. So speaking of over-unders, that is. Um, Eclipse coming in here with a $2 super chat. Uh, just showing some love from Philly. Hashtag state of being. What's up, Eclipse? Thank you for joining us tonight. Um, let's see here. Going just going back to uh, Greg. What's up, dude? How we doing? Good evening, man. Cody Potter in here with a with a five dollar super. Thanks, Cody, for joining us tonight. Uh, remember, Tom Brady lost to Danny Cannell. Why not add Jeff Driscoll to that list? I believe in this team to make a comeback. They are better than that. And again, like we said in the opener here, Cody, you're absolutely correct, dude. The, this Broncos team is a lot better than what we're getting out of them, especially late in the game. Um, defensive gas over the the first at least what. This is now 18, 18 games for Vic Fangio, 7-11 record. Um, defense has actually been playing very good throughout the game, but they also have given up a lot of very key and critical possessions to op- opponents and allowed them to march down the field for game-winning field goals on multiple multiple games. Um, mm-hmm. Gave up a 20 to nothing lead at halftime against the Minnesota Vikings last year as well. Um, the obviously the the Tennessee game. This team is a lot better than than that, and we it's just. You got to see the bounce back, and you got to see some of these role players step in. And KJ Hamler and uh, and Jerry Judy. Speaking of Jerry Judy, we'll get to that here in just a second. Uh, KJ Hamler and Jerry Judy, they got to get open quick, like you said, Eric. And they've got to they've got to try to win quickly in the down and try to get at least some of this pass rush away from Jeff Driscoll. And he's got to be able to hit his hit his shots. There was a couple of good throws he had, but there are also a couple of ones where like that. Uh, it was, I believe, a, an overthrow to Noah Fant in the end zone against Pittsburgh. Like that's a t- that's a throw you have to make ninety nine times out of a hundred at, at the NFL level. And Jeff Driscoll just don't, doesn't make them. He he leaves the ball too high. So if the Broncos do want to replicate that and c- continue to show Tom Brady the losing side of his efforts at Mile High Stadium, then Jeff Driscoll is going to have to play a lot better. Like he really is. Um, I wouldn't say just Jeff Driscoll. I think I think everybody has to. Um, there's a lot of players that are getting a lot more time because of injury, and they all got to step up. I mean, Michael Ojemudi, I know he's getting killed for his game last week, and it's rightfully deserved, but he only gave up three bad plays. Yeah. But those are three plays that really could have helped change the outcome of the game. He gave up that long touchdown to Chase Claypool, which Chase Claypool did push off, guys. He did. It was a good no call because it wasn't enough to really affect it because he still had a step on um, Michael Ojemudi. Um but the interception, the missed tackle on third down, those are the two plays I'm really looking at as kind of bad plays by him. Um, and then you add in the fact that Alexander Johnson took away his first career interception with the stupid penalty. Yep. And a penalty that was really wishy-washy as well. So that's something to concern be to, to think about too. And it's just everybody's got to step up. And I think that the, the message is inside the building that they know that, and it's just a matter of going out there and executing. Um there is one thing that I can say for certain is that this team has not given up. They're going to continue to go out there and fight, and they're going to continue to strive for the win. And this week, that's part of the reason why this week I think they pull it off. Is just they're getting close. They just got to take that final step. But we have a couple super chats here, and I just kind of want to get the backlog of these out of the way. Eclipse Stormborn came in with a two dollar donation, saying "Peace and Hearts from Philly." Hashtag state of being. Thank you, Eclipse. Um, I saw it later. Uh, let's see here. Where is it? I got to find it. Did it come in earlier? There we go. Almost forgot the anthem. Never fickle on the nickel, big pickle, arrow trickle. Thanks, Eclipse, <laughs> man. Really appreciate that, as always. Um, and every time you come in, man, you always bring a smile to my face. Benji Clay came in and said, with the $4.99 donation. Thank you, Benji. Thanks, um, first time, first time seeing you, I think, as a super. Yeah, test. I was going to say, this is a new one. So, so thank you. I mean, it's always nice to see new faces in our Yeah, welcome, man. Or, New names, I guess, would be the better way to put it. But anyways, off topic, it's a contract year for Sutton, right? How much are you willing to pay? Is he going to want a big contract? Does he deserve it? Technically, no. Um, Corlin Sutton is up, is eligible for an extension after this year, but he still has one more year left on his rookie contract. 
Uh, with the injury and him missing basically all but two quarters of the season, I don't see him pushing for a contract extension this year. Um, I think he'll wait for it and see how it comes back and everything. Because if he does push for it, that'd be a mistake on his part because he's injured. You're not going to be able to see what he is. Um, as for how much we give him and everything like that, I really wanted to see and depend on what we have happen last or next season as well. Um, Kevin Peterson came in with a $5 donation. Thank you, Kevin. We appreciate that as always. NFL should have fined Vic for horrible coaching. Forget the mask. Um, can't say I disagree. That coach, that play clock management at the end of the Titans game was abysmal. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Broncos country, gambling is now legal in the state of Colorado. And if you want to get in on the action, you got to check out sportsbetting.com where you got sharp odds and low juice, in-house bookmakers. They're not a third-party provider of odds. Reduced juice, best prices, and it's hassle-free bonuses with a one-time rollover, which means the bonus money is yours after you bet it one time. Other sites range from 5 to 30 times, and you get 24-7 live customer support, always a real person in the United States. And here's the best part. Sportsbetting.com is offering a 100% risk-free week of sports betting, up to 500 bucks, not just one bet, but all of your bets. Play for a week, and if your losses exceed your winnings at the end of the week, sportsbetting.com will cover 100% of the difference, up to 500 bucks with a one-time rollover. Head on over to sportsbetting.com slash milehighhuddle. That's sportsbetting.com slash milehighhuddle, and get in on the action. Hey, Darian, nice to see you here. Charlie Beagle, nice to see you um, as well. Let's see here. Who else is there? Special teams is an oxymoron. Um, yeah, the special teams has been kind of bad, which, which is ironic to me because a lot of people were praising the unit saying that it was going to be super great this year. Um, and I kind of had my doubts and my doubts were kind of more of a, uh, I'll believe it when I see it. And Sam or Sam Martin was supposed to be coming and fix the punting, but he's been just as inconsistent as Colby Wadman has been, uh, Brandon McManus, it, anything over 50, you can't trust them to make. So definitely very questionable. Special teams has been an issue. Chris Hernandez comes in with the $5 donation. Thank you, Chris. It says, if you include the seven points the Titans could have had, the defense is giving out close to 25 points per game. Can they tighten it up Sunday? Um, the the thing is, is if you include those points that they could have had, well, then what about the interception that the Broncos could have had against the Titans? Yep. Or, or the interception they could have had against the Steelers? Um, what it could have should us are kind of not a great thing to play when it comes to the scores because there's always, there's always different things into it. I mean, um, Against the Titans, what if Jerry Judy caught those two passes that he dropped? Yeah, I mean one of one of them was he makes one guy miss and it's a touchdown. The other one was a key third down, so or was a first down that would have given them a new set of downs. So you can always play that. I think the defense is still getting better. Um, the big thing is is that all three corners that the, that are seeing a lot of playing time are new, so to speak. Bryce Callahan, he didn't play last year, so I'm considering him new. Then you have two rookies back there. Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson, they're trying to make up for a lot. Josie Jewell, he's back to starting. He's got to get chemistry down with uh, Alexander Johnson. Then you have basically a pass rusher who missed 12 games last year. Then you have another pass, two pass rushers that they're, they're solid depth, but there's forced to start. Then you have a defensive line that is actually doing pretty well. And Jarrell Casey is new to it. So there's a lot that's still being worked out with his defense. I definitely think that they can turn things around with them. And then last one that I saw well, oh, here. Hold on. I, want to, I, want to, I want to interject here really fast. If you want to play the, the what-if game on the seven points that the Titans could have had, why don't you play the what-if game on the seven points that the Broncos could have had, uh, the fourth the fourth down situation, fourth and one, they, they run a shovel pass. Say Jake Butt uh, makes a guy miss, scores a touchdown. The Broncos still win that game. Uh, what about if uh, Elijah Wilkinson against TJ Watt doesn't get burned completely and uh, obliterated off of the snap and gets Drew Locke to have to scramble out to his right where Bud Dupree, Dupree comes back and sacks him from behind. If Elijah Wilkinson holds tight right there, KJ Hamler ran an absolutely beautiful stick route right there, then turned it into a crossing route. He was so wide open. Seriously, guys, he was so wide open. If Drew Locke puts the ball anywhere close to him, it's a touchdown on the play that Drew Locke would have gotten hurt. That's seven points. The Broncos win that game. So you can play the woulda, coulda, shoulda all you wanted to, and you can question the decision-making and stuff like that, question the plays and stuff. What if Michael Ojemudia picks off that ball in the end zone? 
Like that, that play right there literally led to, well, the next play actually was third and 10 and Michael Ojemudia missed a tackle on Juju Smith Schuster out on the, out on the left flat that turned into a first down situation, first and goal for the, for the Steelers. And they punched in a touchdown right there. If Michael Ojemudia makes that interception, they don't score that touchdown. The Broncos win the game. Like there's, you can play the woulda, coulda, shoulda all you wanted to. And you can, you can play the hindsight. What, what the, what the thing is though, the, the, it's the culmination of the entire game, guys. Like I want to, I want to really see some change from the Broncos up front, especially up at the at the high levels, especially specifically to Pat Shermer and his play calling in some of these critical situations. But the woulda, coulda, shoulda game doesn't mean anything. Like it, it really doesn't. You can you can yeah. argue all like all kinds of different ways. What if Melvin Gordon doesn't fumble the football on that on that swing pass and set up the Tennessee Titans at the twenty two yard line where they run down and score a touchdown to match the Broncos? Like there's so many different aspects of it. As far as physical play on the field, you can't really question that. Now the decision making behind that, I think you can, and I think you have a valid argument there. Anyways, we have this other super chat from Christopher Do forty four with two dollars says, "Love my Dove Valley Deep Divers." Hit those likes, definitely, guys. Click those hey, thumbs man, up. We appreciate that. And and Christopher, hey, we love the Dove Valley Deep Divers too. Yeah, it's my it's my favorite podcast. I wonder why. Now, Eric, <laughs> I want to go back here for just a minute and go back to that question about Cortland Sutton. Sorry, guys, I had to, to bounce out for a second. Um, I was having some glitchy issues and was getting skipped out for a minute. I'm hoping that that didn't actually affect you guys on your side, um, but. Uh, with Cortland Sutton being in the contract year and everything like that, let's just go into another part of the conversation that Eric, you and I wanted to talk about uh, tonight as far as what a salary cap mean and why that doesn't actually equal cash. So the Broncos right now, yeah, they have $30 million in cap space and they have an opportunity to go out and they can bring in a veteran if they need to, to get yeah, that. Obviously they just went and bought it, brought in Blake Bortles one year vet minimum deal. didn't really cost them anything, but they could go out and they could trade for like a miles Jack. They could go out and they could trade for another insert key player here to try to bolster this defense or take away from some of the, the injury issues that the Broncos have right now. But the problem is, just because you have $30 million in cap space doesn't mean you have $30 million in cash space, like cash flow. You have to have that money on hand. So with Cortland Sutton and with Justin Simmons, we saw this last year, the Broncos don't necessarily have the cash on hand. You have to have that money up front. You have $175 million in salary cap that you can use. You can spend that money. But if you don't have the money to actually spend, you can't write a check to anybody. Like that's, yeah. that's a hard thing. Like, I, I wanted to run this analogy by you. Like, say I make $50,000 a year, hypothetically speaking. I make $50,000 a year. Okay, cool. But I want to go out and buy a $40,000 boat in cash. I don't have that kind of funds because my $60,000 a year comes out or $50,000 a year comes out over the course of a 12-month period. Like, I don't have that money in hand right now. I can't just say, all right, I'm going to drop forty grand on, an, on a brand new boat or a brand new car or whatever you might have. So the Broncos, they have $170 million, $175 million in cap space for the year. They have $30 million in cap space right now. That doesn't mean they have $30 million that they can just drop on a brand-new contract for a Justin Simmons. Well, it doesn't mean they have the $30 million to drop on a brand-new contract for Cortland Sutton either. Like, There's got to be money in hand to be able to write that check, guys. Yeah, and on that note, too, it's like what people don't realize is when a team signs a player to, the, to a contract, all the money that's in that contract, even money that's not fully guaranteed, goes into escrow. So if they sign a player like the Chiefs did with Patrick Mahomes, that extension, all the money in that extension has to go into escrow. So you have to have that money on hand already, even though it's not getting paid to the player right away, to be able to put into escrow. If you don't have that money on hand, you can't you can't do that contract. It's a it's a thing that. The Broncos kind of got hit with this a few years ago. Everybody knows about it. The whole thing with the end of the end of the late '90s um, with the stadium and the the deferring payments for Elway and Terrell Davis. It, it's a way of not working around the salary cap. So you got to have those that money on hand to put into escrow for the full contract. So I mean, Graham Glasgow, they just signed him to that big deal. All the money for that is in escrow. All the rookie contracts, all that money, that's an escrow. So if you go out and you sign a player to if I mean they have thirty dollars or thirty million in cap space, right? They can go out there and they could sign a player to say four years, forty million. Grand because Glasgow. I mean, say say that's a flat rate, ten million dollars average per year basis. Just make it real simple. 
they could do that. But they have to have that $40 million in cash to be able to put into escrow. That That's a big issue that the Broncos are having. And that comes because they don't have an owner. So yeah. it's not going to be shocking if eventually the NFL forces the, the, sale of the, team, the sale of the team because all these legal issues that they're going on, it doesn't really look good for the NFL. And they do care about their image a little bit. So you might see it happening. Maybe the legal issues pan out and the bull and daughter that's working with the team right now, I can never remember which, which one it is. Uh, Brittany. Uh, Brittany. Maybe Brittany ends up taking ownership over it. Some's got to change, though. They need to have a set owner in hand. They need to be able to bring those funds back into the team. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 hard to be able to kind of understand that. And like you got to think, you know, they don't get just like a lump sum. OK, like here's here's one hundred and seventy five million dollars. No, that's the money they're allowed to spend, you know, and the, the, like the, that's the, the culmination of the entire 53 man roster. And if they don't have the cash to be able to do something like that, it's uh, it's not going to happen. And until we see some kind of resolution with with either Brittany or Beth Bull and Wallace or say Robert F. Smith wants to come in and buy the team. If, if that's what's going to end up eventually happening, like you, you've got to be able to have that. And like you go back and you look at the Kansas city chiefs and what they just did with Chris Jones, Travis Kelsey, Tyree kill Patrick Mahomes. They, they just went and paid up what $500 million to Patrick Mahomes over the next 10 years. Like he got half a billion dollars. The, the hunt family, the, the Lamar hunt family, that family is worth like fifteen point three billion dollars. They have that money on hand, and they could they could afford to put that in there. They're 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 they don't have only assets in the Kansas City Chiefs. They have cash flow coming in from other entities. I don't know exactly what they are, but the Bolins. If I'm if I'm wrong on this, correct me, Eric. But I believe that Pat Bolin got his money from his father in like Canadian oil, like or something like that. I, I can't re- exactly remember, but. Like when he came in and bought the Broncos back in 1984, yeah, he was plenty rich back then. That's all dried up now. It's they're, the only money that the Broncos have is what the NFL gives them through revenue and through uh, fan sales, TV contracts, and stuff like that. They don't have extra money on hand to just dump into the team. They they can't do that. And guess what team is going to be hurt the most by the current situation with no fans in the building? The Denver Broncos. The Broncos. Yep, the Denver Broncos. So, moving on real quick, there's a couple more comments here that I want to see, and I do want to say, Charlie. Um, Charlie Beagleman, some of the comments you've made tonight have been ha, have been hilarious. Yeah, um, got like, me rolling. We've dude. definitely, I've definitely been seeing a man. They're they're definitely been really good. I got a super and chat. Isaiah here says, from, go ahead. I, I was gonna say I got a super chat here from Isaiah. Uh, thanks for joining us tonight, Isaiah. That's a new name as well. We got a lot of new names in the in the stream tonight. Uh, we need to pound the rock. Gordon needs twenty plus carries. And honestly, I will tend to agree with you on this one, especially in this game. Um, with uh, with Jeff Driscoll starting, obviously, you've got Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy's actually hurt, guys. Like, let's, let's be real here. He suffered a rib injury. He's questionable. He was listed as questionable on the injury report today. Sounds like he's probably going to be a go in the game. Um, hopefully, he doesn't run into that Los Angeles Charters doctor. Please, God, don't let the, something like that happen. But uh, – no, it, rib injury, they'll, they'll do whatever they got to do, wrap him up as well as they can. He's just tell him to go go and be tough. But uh, Jerry Judy's going to be somewhat, I imagine, limited with that rib injury. That leaves Tim Patrick and, uh, and uh, K.J. Hamler and Deshaun Hamilton, guys. Like, the Broncos receiving core is kind of decimated right now with injuries. Uh, Tyree Cleveland, we would probably see a healthy dose of him this week as well. But the easiest way to make things easy on your quarterback is by controlling the clock and running the football. Don't let yourself get into uh, mismanageable down and distance situations. Like no second and longs, third and longs, and have a tight end that can offer an explosive play over the middle of the field and a reliable safety valve. And fortunately, the Broncos have both of those things. They have a quality running game. Melvin Gordon may not have broke 100 yards, but they did break 100 yards as a team against the Pittsburgh Steelers last week. Melvin Gordon had 19 carries, I think like 79 or 80 yards, something like that. Uh, Royce Freeman had a couple of really nice runs in there as well, so just to get over 100 yards. But then they also have Noah Fant, who has been probably the Broncos' most explosive offensive player and their best offensive player in 2020 so far this season. And the biggest thing is I actually have an article live on milehighhuddle.com right now, guys. Go check it out. Uh, five key matchups for the Bron- that the Broncos need to win in order to win against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this week. 
Noah Fant versus Levante David needs to be a big key here. You've got to figure out a way to keep Noah Fant involved for all four quarters, all 60 minutes of this game. Because if you don't and he disappears like he did in the, the second half and the first, uh, the second half of the Titans game and the first half of the Pittsburgh game, if he disappears like that and doesn't have a safety valve operation for Jeff Driscoll to throw the football to, like this is going to be, it's going to be bad. Like really, really bad. Like they've got to figure that out and, and figure out a way to scheme Noah Fant into the game plan. Well, one big thing for getting Noah Fant more more included throughout the whole game, get him to figure out how to defeat bracket coverage. That's, what That's a good down. point, too. And Chris comes in to clarify what it, what he was saying. He's like, it's not a what-if question. The point is the defense is giving up 20-plus points from sloppy play. Can they get that tightened up? Um, I wouldn't say it's sloppy play. It's just saying that there is some some really good plays by the offense. And just a, just some here and there. Um, there is a little bit. I mean, the dropped interception by Michael Ojemudia and his missed tackle on third down. That though, both those set up one touchdown, and they just got beat deep. Um, there, there's the, the one of the things is with this, and, and I mentioned this earlier too, is that there's a lot of new pieces on this defense, and a lot of guys who are starting next to new blood, and, and not necessarily new, new. Like in the case of Alexander Johnson and Josie Jewell, those two haven't played together, and the communication there, like they're they even said it, it's improving but it's not quite where they want it to be. Um, and that's just happening with the whole defense. Once that gets down, I think this defense will start really tightening up. I think we start seeing it this year or this week. I mean, um, but yeah, I think they can definitely get it tightened up or tightened up even without some of the the players that they have without Draymond Jones, without Von Miller, without AJ Boye, with, without those guys. I think that we can definitely see it up. They're, they're getting close and they're getting really close to some big plays too, for the defense. They just got to get over that edge a little bit. And then Levi Hope comes in. And he said, "With the twenty-four dollar ninety-nine cent donation, Levi, Thanks, thank Levi, you, man. man. We appreciate that." Man. He says, "What's up, fellas? What letter grade would you give our defense and rookies so far?" Um, I'd give a C plus for the defense, and I'd probably give a C minus D plus for the rookies. Yeah, I was going to say probably a B minus for the defense and a C plus for the rookies. Um, Michael Ojemudia and the struggles that he is that he has had so far has been pretty rough. Uh, Lloyd Cushenberry also had a really game, a really bad game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. But Ojemudia showed me a lot in that Titans game, and I was really impressed with him. Uh, not so much impressed with him as a tackler against the Steelers. I, he missed that one tackle. There was another one, Eric, you and I kind of talked about. It, it was actually before the the missed interception play where uh, Ojemudia was targeted on a uh, on a hitch route or something on the outside in the boundary and, and came and crashed on Juju Smith-Schuster on the outside. And rather than wrapping up in open field, he actually went for a big hit and just laid the wood and it's, it didn't bring his arms back around and wrap up. And Juju was able to actually stay on his feet, but he was knocked off balance enough to step out of bounds. Now, we saw it actually later. In fact, when we were in the, I was in the live game thread on milehighhuddle.com and was, uh, and I commented immediately after that play. I said, you know, if Michael Ojemudia doesn't learn how to wrap up immediately, Juju's going to burn him. And it actually was like a few plays later, Juju actually did burn him. It was a, a kind of a rough angle for Ojemudia to get, but it looked like he, he didn't get wrapped up all the way and Juju just ran him over and, and forced the first down in, in the goal to go situation. So you've got to see a little bit better tackling from him. Um, we're going to see Mikel the Najim this week from the sound of it. Like obviously you've got uh, Demarcus Walker's out. Uh, you've got uh, Draymond Jones is out. Uh, they brought up um, what's his name? The Deshaun Williams, I think is his name that, that interior defensive lineman that they've brought, they've had on the roster where the practice squad, what, four or five different times. So they obviously see something in him. So McTelvin Ajim, we'll see what he looks like. Uh, Lloyd Cushenberry in the running game has been hit and miss. In the passing game, he really struggled against uh, uh, Casey Hayward and or Cameron Hayward, excuse me, and Stefan Tewitt last week. But against the Titans, he actually looked really good. I was I was pretty impressed with him. And then the rookie wide receivers, KJ Hamler looked phenomenal against the Steelers. So I'm going to boost that up just a little bit there. Um, because you didn't see the drop issues. He was getting open constantly. The speed yeah, was one there. He, had the, he didn't have the one drop. Um, but uh, then he also he went up for a, a deep shot, went over, over the top, almost made a hell of a catch. Um, was open all the time. The speed was there. It was really good. Jerry Judy has been really hit and miss. I've been really kind of disappointed with him, but I probably should have known that with the drop issues. But outside of that, like – 
really the defense itself is doing exactly what you kind of figured was going to happen with the defense at Ben, but don't break defense from Nick Fangio, allowing a lot of stuff over the middle of the field. This is a big key to me, especially this week. The the crossing routes on play action, um, the slants, the digs, the crossing routes and everything like that, that you get that are wide open in Nick Fangio's defense because that's what he wants you to do. He wants you to take the dink and dunk stuff. He wants you to take the stuff over the middle of the field, let his defense rally, make the tackle. He'll give up some yards, but when things get condensed and that's that's why the Broncos defense is, I think, number three in the NFL right now in the red zone. Like when things get to condense and there's not a whole lot of space for everybody to kind of work around, that's when this defense does its thing. And it's it's hard for me to hate on it because I understand what they're trying to do. But at the same time, I really wish that this defense would get a little bit more aggressive, especially with the injuries in the secondary, the youth in the secondary. They've got to figure out a way to manufacture some pressure and not with just four-man rushes and tackle end stunts, um, some twists and stuff like that. Like You've got to figure out a way to blitz a little bit here and bring some extra guys. What is it? The Broncos are bringing five guys on 16% of their, of their defensive snaps right now. That's like way less. They they were like 25% of the time last year. So 16% of the time this year is way less than what they were last year. I can't remember exactly what you said in our group chat about like where that ranks statistic. I know it was towards the it was middle like, of the it was league. Like 26 or 27th or Yeah, or, like it, or 16 it, it was like 16.1%. Yeah, which which they they've got to start figuring out a way to manufacture some pressure, and that was something that and, you and I talked about last week yeah. going into the Steelers game. You have Kevin Dotson, who's a rookie right guard, starting his first NFL start, and you have Chikuma Okorafor playing right tackle, who has played sparingly over the course of his what two year career. And the Broncos got zero pressures against those guys. They handled all those end games and all the stunts, and they blocked really well up front. They kept Ben Roethlisberger clean. The Broncos only hit Ben Roethlisberger three times and only got one sack in that game. Like when you have backup players in the game, Mike Purcell. Yeah, exactly. It was Mike Purcell. They got on a botched screenplay. Like you, when you have players out like that, and there's an advantage that you can take. Like there's a mismatch you can take advantage of with backup offensive linemen. When you have Jarrell Casey and Draymond Jones, Shelby Harris that can go and get after the passer, you have to figure out a way to manufacture some pressure against those guys and stop just bringing four rushers. Like you've got to do something and be like not necessarily like that Steelers and blitzing sixty four percent of the time, but you've got to bring an extra guy and make make. Them have that lack of communication. Let them have an extra rusher coming up and manufacture some pressure because if you don't get after Tom Brady this week and you let him have those dink and dunk shots, those slant routes, those crossing routes, the dig routes from Mike Evans that he hasn't really been doing this year, which is crazy. Run one. But those dig routes, those in routes, the crossing routes over the middle of the field, Tom Brady's going to pick this defense apart. Like, if they don't get after him up front and get some, some pressure on him and bring but, some guys forward in the defense, Tom Brady's going to pick him apart and j- drive up and down the field on him all the time. But here's the issue you have is if John, if Tom Brady's going to pick him apart in coverage, he's going to do it quickly. And if you yeah. bring an extra guy, yep. it's just making it even quicker. Yep. So if you want to blitz, this is the, and this is what we were talking about in our private chat is if you want to blitz your coverage guys need to be able to hold their own. They got to shut down those quick passes. They're yep. not. So even when Denver does blitz, it's not effective because they're just a- the quarterback's just able to get the ball out so quickly. Well, this and this actually how about adds, this too? Sorry, this actually adds into that point and th- something that I said in our in our group chat as well. I miss Wade Phillips because if you're going to bring some pressure, you got to play some press man coverage up front. And Vic Fangio with his quarters well, defense doesn't like to do man. that. Well, play press zone. Press three, but still, I mean, it, it, it looked a lot like press man. Still, you got um, you got to play some press coverage and knock some guys off the line of scrimmage. That's and, my point. And here, here's the biggest thing with Fifth Angel: if you want to blitz, don't have it be Alexander Johnson every single time. Yeah, no doubt. Have some kind of mis what what what's the word I'm looking for? Um, mystique? That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, some mystique. Some. Mis- uh, mis- don't, I mean, don't make your don't make your your blitz obvious. disguise like I mean, have some yeah, disguise. disguise it a little bit. Hey, have that corner. Have a song bossy come off the edge a little bit. Hey, was, there you go. This was why uh, for the, for the boost coming in here and saying Ojemudia can't be ten yards off the line. Well, when he got burned by Chase Claypool on that, that was when he started to step back. But still, you're right. And here, here's the thing: is that you're they're never going to be close in Vic Banjo's defense. That's no. not what they do. They don't play no. press. No. That's not what they do. And mysteriousness. Thank you, Peter. Sorry, it's been a long week for me. Um, is you can't ask the coaches to completely change their foundation of their scheme right. that they've been coaching for years. 
Pat Shermer, you want to change the offense? He's not going to change it so so drastically yep. because that's what he's done for so many years. Vic Fangio is the same way. They're not going to sit there and suddenly go and, and press all of a sudden. I, I agree they should do it a little bit more often, but, but it's not going to happen all the time. So you just got to figure out that balance. Everything, it's all about working in unison. And it's just, it can be annoying. Um, and I mean, I, I say this quite a bit too, is that great coaches, they adapt to what your players can do. Um, Vic Fangio, he's the type of coach that he wants to get players that can fit his defense. That's what he's been working on doing. Um, it's mi- caused them to miss out on some good players in the draft, but it is what it is. You got to deal with what you got and they're doing okay, but it's still a matter of getting a um it's still a matter of getting things down and communication down that can't be underestimated um especially when you have a new play caller on defense too yeah yeah that's true the the one thing that you would actually said to me uh in our group chat as well was that you have to win some one-on-one matchups every now yeah. and again on the defensive side of the football, like Jarrell Casey, we just going back to that matchup against the Pittsburgh Steelers, Jarrell Casey rushed the majority of the time against a rookie right guard, making his first NFL start and had zero pressures, zero. Like that's, well, I mean, to be fair, Kevin Dotson played, played. Kevin Dotson, he, he didn't look oh, like, a, he didn't look like a rookie. No, at all. No, I'm not trying to take anything away from Kevin Dotson. I'm trying to kind of uh, not really take a shot, but criticize Jarrell Casey here. You're a, you're a what? He's 31 years old, one of the best interior defensive linemen in the NFL, and you are going against a rookie, and you cannot figure out a way to manufacture some pressure and win a one-on-one matchup. Like you've got to play better there. Uh, Michael Ojemudia struggled in, in coverage. Uh, Justin Simmons had like a, a couple of pretty big gaps in coverage in Week One against the Titans, like playing out of position stuff like that. You've got to win some of these one-on-one one-on-one matchups, especially up front. And Bradley Chubb, I'm not going to to try to crap on Bradley Chubb here. Don't get me wrong; he's still coming off that ACL. He's been not like non-existent in the pass rush right now. And to, to be fair to him, he's got a bunch of double teams, a bunch of chips, some triple teams as well. The, the teams are scheming him out of the game, but you got to have something there, man. Like you're Bradley Chubb. Everyone was saying this is a breakout season for you. And of course you're losing Von Miller. So that takes into some, some effect there. But at the same time, when you do get a one-on-one matchup, You've got to win it, man. Like, you've got to go out there and be this elite player that we know you can be. Like, if you're not going to win some one-on-one matchups every now and again, you're not going to have success, especially on the defensive side of the football. Yeah, um, Broncos are in bad need of having an identity. It's like they're lost. Um, I don't really agree that that's the case. They definitely have their identity. It's just an issue of of their – what's the right word I want to do it? want to say is that they're just having issues being able to stick with that identity on offense. They want to run the ball and they, they, and control the clock, but they're getting down early and they're not able to, or they're making mistakes and shooting themselves in the foot. Um, Defensively, they want to do what they normally do rush for shut down the passing game and force teams to run, run against them. And they're just, they're just that like each play. It's just that one player. That's just making that mistake and they just got to start working in unison. So they're, they're close to it. It's just a matter of it just, they're just a one player off basically. Yep. Chris Fernandez has it. Uh, the, the greatest way of putting this here. Thanks Chris for joining in execution. You just got to execute, uh, execute your job. Bill Belichick is the, the, the most famous, the most famous person for saying this, do your job. Like, don't try to freelance it. Do your job, especially in Vic Fangio's cover scheme. Like, you have to just do your job. Now, Eric, we're at 48 Real minutes. Here. Go ahead. Real quick, there's one thing I want to hear is more blitzing would help the cornerbacks a lot. Um, there's actually been studies about this that shows that's not true. It actually yeah. hurts the cornerbacks more, especially in the modern game, because quarterbacks, they're just looking to their fastest receiver or their quickest route runner, and they're just getting the ball out in under two seconds. Um, and so your blitzing is actually doing more harm than good because you're taking a guy away out of coverage. And in a lot of cases, too, where that guy comes out of coverage or where he'd, he'd most likely be playing coverage is right where the ball goes. Does a lot of harm. Yeah. All right. Now, Eric, we're at 49 minutes and r- well, 49 and a half minutes here, roughly. Let's start to break down this Tampa Bay game just a little bit. What's your biggest key for the Broncos if they want to walk away from uh, Empower Field with a win? Use KJ Hamler's speed. 
get his speed impact on the game, get that established early and utilize that. Even if he's not touching the ball, his speed can impact everybody else. Guys, this is going to go back to pre-draft when I always talked about how Henry Ruggs could impact the Broncos offense. Well, we can do that with KJ Hamler. Yep. We can do what the Raiders are doing with Henry Ruggs yeah. and to help Darren Waller with KJ Hamler and Noah Fant. And with Cortland Sutton out, that becomes even more vital because now with Cortland Sutton out of the boundary, Jerry Judy being as inconsistent as he is and not being able to catch the ball consistently, which, you know, guys, it would have been nice if somebody warned you about that. Huh. But um, the thing is, is that the teams can just crowd the middle now. Noah Fant's getting taken out by bracket coverage. Well, guess what? Now he's getting triangle coverage, tri- uh, triple teamed in coverage, things like that. Uh, guess who's got to clear that out? Guess who's got to take. Guess who's got to keep the safeties back? And this this falls on Jeff Driscoll a little bit too. Jeff Driscoll has to get take some deep shots. Pat Shermer has to call those deep shots. They yeah. have to get them to respect the speed of KJ Hamler. And another way to get them to do that: motion Hamler every single play. I don't care. I, I mean, just keep him out there on the field. Motion him. Every single play because you're getting him in motion and you're making his speed an even bigger threat because when he's moving and you snap it, when he's behind the quarterback, you now have to wonder, is he going to get the ball in the handoff or is he just going to take turn and run up field kind of like a wheel route? You got to do something to make them respect that speed because if you get them to respect that speed, that helps pull empty out the box, which helps the run game empties out the clear middle of the field, which helps out Noah Fant and forces them to respect that aspect. Denver has yet to do that. They haven't done it. Cons- I mean, granted, they only had a chance against Pittsburgh, to be fair. I mean, yeah. he was out for against Tennessee. Yeah. But they got to do something. And they didn't do it consistently enough against that. And I understand that they want to bring K.J. Hamler along slowly. But he's a gadget player right now. Use him as such. One Put thing that I out there, too. Yeah, there you go. He's there's, got good speed. There yeah. we go. Respect both those players' speed. One thing that I want to argue with on that is there is no bringing on KJ Hamler slowly anymore. With no, with, there isn't. With De- with uh, with Cortland Sutton out, Deshaun Hamilton has played marginally at best, and Tyree Cleveland has played margin like very limited role. Actually, the, the, in, his, in his Titans game, the only game he played, he actually played really well. He did play very well, and I was impressed. I and then he was, was and then he was inactive against the Steelers. I was like, what? Well, they had Cortland Sutton back. Like that's that, that was the key there. Like you want to feel the best players out there. Tyree Cleveland should have been. At this point, I have no doubt in my mind that Tyree Cleveland offers more to this Broncos offense than Deshaun Hamilton. Oh, there's no question. There's no question in my mind because he offers that versatility of being able to run not only fast across the middle of the field, but he can take the top off of the defense and he can go and, and he can block. And, yeah, and he can block. Like so, he has three things. KJ, or the, not KJ Hamler. Excuse me, uh, Deshaun Hamilton is not the greatest athlete. Like He's a good athlete. Don't get me wrong. It's like Josie Jewell. Josie Jewell is not the greatest athlete for a linebacker. Deshaun Hamilton's not the greatest athlete for a wide receiver. He's it just quicker than fast is probably not the right way of putting that. He's just not fast. Uh, it, it runs very good routes. He's open all the time. And for whatever reason, Broncos, quarterback, Broncos quarterbacks just don't throw him the football. But at the same time, he's got to bring something to this offense. And if you're running a, a 10-yard drag route or a crossing route or a little stick route or a little in route, and that's the only thing you bring because you can't take the top vertically off the defense, what what do you offer? You can't bring any yeah. speed. There, there's nothing there. Tyree Cleveland can at least take the top off of the defense. He, I might actually be able to see him run a jet sweep every now and again. He's got enough speed to be able to do so. And he brings and, a violent physicality to the game where he can go up. If you target him deep and he has to go up and catch the football, he actually can do that. I don't think Deshaun Hamilton can. And real quick, Peter says Cleveland was injured. Um, Cleveland was dealing with a hip injury, but he was good to go for the game. He was medically cleared to play. The injury didn't keep him out. The coaches, it was a coach's decision. So like, th- there was no reason for it. Um, but yeah, I mean, he just offers up more versatility and especially now with, um, with Cortland Sutton out, you gotta you gotta work that versatility of your offense, and you gotta become even more versatile. And in the group chat, and I kind of want to talk about this too briefly before we get out of before we have to get out of here, is Albert Okwebenam. Um, there's no there's no reason why he should be starting over Fant. There's no reason why he should be playing over Vanette or Butt. And I know a lot of you people in the chat are going to be mad about this, but 
Albert Okwebenam limits what your offense can do. He offers no blocking potential whatsoever at the moment. That is the one thing that has been commented on multiple times as to that's what he's got to work on. Bannett and Butt, I know they're having um, issues executing out there, but they still offer up that blocking upside and that decent receiving ability. Even so, the Broncos need to draw up about five to ten plays a game where they can get Albert Okwebenam out there on the field and use him to stretch the seam. Because guess what, guys? Speed's the name of the game. You got to sit there and use him yeah. to help do that. The, the one running play that you can run with Albert Okwegmanom is if you have like a second and six. And, Forbert. <laughs> well, if you have a second and six and you want to run a draw play, you're like yeah. line up Albert O in, in the slot and have Noah Fant attached on the line of scrimmage. And if you want to be able to run the football with Albert O on the field, you're going to have to do that. And you're going to run a, a second and six. Like it has to be a second and six draw play. Like honestly, it has to be that because no one's going to expect that. Like that's the only way you're going to run the football with Howard O on the field right now. He's just not good enough as a blocker. Vic Fangio put him in the dirt. Pretty well, not really put him in the dirt, but he actually did have public criticism of Howard O. If he wants to play, he's got to get better as a run blocker. Like that's a real thing, guys. Like let's be honest and be real with each other. So and like to me. It, I would love to see a Noah Fant and Albert O combination in the red zone, especially outside of the ten yard line. Like if you're if you're out there, like let's say we get first and goal at the seventeen, I want to see Albert O and Noah Fant on the field at the same time. Like honestly, I really do. Spread it out, and that's where you can attack and take your shot to the end zone because Albert O with that big body and the ability to box out that he has at the catch point and to go and run vertically at least and run a post route if he has to, like. That would be a great mismatch for for the Broncos' offense. But as soon as you get inside of the ten yard line, as soon as, especially inside the five yard line, where you know you're going to have to run the football, Pat Shermer, what the, uh, where you know you're going to have to run the football, Albert O loses all effectiveness there. there you know that they're going to run a play pass. You know that that's what's coming. Yeah, and real quick, bef- again before we get out of here, I just want to say that with all the injuries that the Broncos have have been dealing with, um. And the, I know the medical staff's been been questioned a little bit, but can we just say we should be thankful they're not as incompetent as the Chargers medical staff <laughs> puncturing the lung of your starting quarterback yeah. in a pregame shot? Yeah. What? Good thing Justin Herbert went out there and absolutely played great oh, for a game plan man. that wasn't even designed for him. Like, wow. What? Kudos, uh, kudos to uh, is it still Ken Wisenhunt? Is that still the offensive coordinator? In in I don't know who the offensive coordinator is. I think so. Regardless, kudos to Anthony Lynn and his coaching staff for being able to adapt on the fly and get a rookie quarterback in there and play. He threw for three hundred yards, guys. Scored two touchdowns. Like it was a great game from Justin Herbert. Like that's what your your coaching staff should be able to do is adapt and overcome when you have a crazy rash of injuries your starting quarterback just got announced that he was out of the game like it's, an hour before the game even kicked off and Justin Herbert found out at the final minute like hey I'm gonna go out and play my first NFL game today and he went out he goes out and throws a gem like it was great absolutely great Bobby jumping in here $25 super chat thank you Bobby great to see you back in the chats by the way I hope everything is going well with you and everything as your personal issues. We won't divulge any of that. Awesome pod guys. Go Broncos. Absolutely. Go Broncos. And Chargers OC is, is uh, Shane Steichen. And okay. I can't believe I didn't remember that because I was one guy that I really wanted the Broncos to look at for offensive okay. coordinator a couple of years ago. And yeah. I, I think he's got a bright, bright future in the NFL. Yeah, well, they did a great job of getting Justin Herbert involved, and that that was a game that the Chargers actually should have won. They should have walked out of the, the, out of SoFi Stadium with a with a win that against the Chiefs. And Patrick Mahomes doing Patrick Mahomes things. Um, the Chargers probably I don't know it, they had a fourth down in, the, in overtime that they probably could have went for and said they punted, gave the ball to Mahomes, and he drove down the field, kicked the field goal. But uh, yeah, like. I don't know. I got to give some credit to a coaching staff that's actually able to adapt and overcome when you get some adversity thrown into your face and put yourself, put your players in a position to actually go out and try to win a football game. Now, not going to continue to take shots. That's just my personal opinion, guys. I think, you know what? We're going to wrap it up here on that. Actually, we are at 59 minutes. So thank you all once again for joining the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. Guys, you can follow me at Sanderson MHH on Twitter and for Eric at 
Eric Trickle. Follow the show as well at DVDD underscore pod. It's the easiest way to keep in touch with what the Delta Valley Deep Divers have going on. Um, also, while you're at it, follow at Mile High Huddle. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for instant news and analysis, uh, opinion articles, uh, film breakdowns on your Denver Broncos. It's also the easiest way to keep in touch with what's going on with the entire Huddle Up podcast network, including Building the Broncos, Mile High Insiders, and, of course, everyone's favorite show, the Huddle Up podcast. Well, it should be Dove Valley Deep Divers. Chad, I see you. If you guys are financially able to do so, head on over to huddleuppod.com. Get your swag on. That's the merch tent, guys. Get yourself a hat, a T-shirt, coffee cup. There's a face mask, some hoodies, something for guys, something for girls, something for the little kids as well, anything to suit your fancy. If you guys are not financially able to do so, the three easiest things that everybody can do to support the Huddle Up Podcast Network is subscribe wherever you guys are watching, specifically on YouTube, like Every video you guys see, and if you love it, share it. Get it out in front of as many Broncos fans as you possibly can because that is the easiest way for you guys to help the Huddle Up Podcast Network grow. Now, Eric, you got a score prediction for me, bud. What's up? The Broncos going to walk away from Empower Field with a win this week, or are they going to they going to uh, they going to suffer their third defeat of the season? They're going to win one hundred and seven to nothing. <laughs> I actually can't remember what my score prediction was, guys. Um, go check the all of the staff's predictions at mileihuddle.com and the prediction article that we have up there. Um, I know I have Denver winning. I really can't remember by how much. And before we get out of here, I want to say from Greg Smith is enjoy the rest of your weekend, fellas. Everyone who's watching, you guys enjoy the rest of your weekend as well. Greg, I love the shirt, dude. The Let Him Hate shirt. I need to get one of those. I really do. <laughs> um, not for me. Uh, I have the Broncos losing this game 27 to 20, I think is what Ooh. my final was um i just i don't like the the way that the broncos play defense against tom brady and what he likes to do offensively um i'm not hey, gonna he likes to lose he does like to lose in denver like, let's be real here but with what with what they like to do offensively it's it's a mismatch for the broncos in their defensive scheme so i'm gonna have I'm, i have to go with with my gut here and say the broncos are gonna lose again unfortunately i really want to see a bounce back game from uh from Pat Shermer in, in specific in these critical situations. But uh, with a with a backup quarterback missing your top wideout, missing your top pass rusher, uh, another pair of pass rushers as well on the defensive line and Draymond Jones and Demarcus Walker, it's just too much for the Broncos to overcome right now, especially with the critical mistakes that they're making in the mental side of the football game. So I I can't I can't pick the Broncos to win until they can at least prove me wrong in that aspect of things. But anyways, guys, that's going to do it for the Dove Valley Deep Divers. You all – Stay safe, take care, have a great rest of your weekend. Go Broncos, and we will see you guys next Friday, 6 p.m. Mountain Time. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.